0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: Welcome. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Today in studio, I have with me David Donaldson and Michael Daly from the Atlanta Healing Center. Hi, guys. Hello. Hey. We all made it. (laughs) It's <laughs> a good sign. It's a good day. We're going to have a good show. Um,
2: Got some amazing traffic in Atlanta.
1: Amazing traffic and amazing heat. Uh, so uh, for those of you who may be watching us on Facebook Live or on the website, americaswebradio.com, you may be really... Um, Surprised to see how much we're sweating. And now they're making us sit closer together as if this wasn't bad enough.
2: We have bathed.
1: We have bathed, but it's been a while. (laughs) Today our topic, I think, is a timely one. And that being we are headed now towards a big drinking holiday. One of the bigger ones of the summer, probably not as big as Labor Day, but um, pretty darn close. And because of that, we wanted to really focus on what's addiction treatment, what's up recovery. And this kind of came out of a conversation that I've had with several <laughs> patients over the last couple of days about the idea is detox treatment. Or, why do I need detox? Why can't I just come into treatment? Why do I need to go and have, go inpatient for a medically managed detox? So I thought we probably ought to start with those two questions and help our listeners understand a little bit more the importance of detox, but the fact that it's not really treatment.
2: But And part of why I think it's so important is so many patients, when they do go to detox, will get out of detox. And and truly, they're, they're st- still in the detox process. The detox lasts for quite a while.
3: Well, and sometimes, David, to what? that point, there's there's more medication in them than what they – I mean, if they're there for alcohol, they, they're now on Librium or something, which is equally as um,
1: – Impairing.
3: Impairing. And, and they don't realize that that's the way they're going to be released.
2: Well, and, and real often they will be set up because their family members will view them as they've just gotten out of treatment, and they'll even be upset that we've paid for treatment five times and it hasn't worked, when in reality what they've paid for has been detox.
1: Right. So... It- That is very, very important to understand, that there are times when, because of the drugs or alcohol or other substances that a person may be using, that there is need for medical supervision and sometimes 24-hour-a-day medical supervision to make sure that they do that safely. When a person comes out of that, we're going to talk a little bit more about what that is um, in a moment, but often, to you guys' point, when you come out of that, you feel a lot better. You've been rehydrated, you've been fed, you've gotten to rest, you've been given some medication to take away some of the symptoms of withdrawal to help you with sleep or to help you with anxiety, and because of that, your family thinks you're okay, often the patient thinks they're okay, and it's not for some days later before the reality sets in that i'm not okay i may still be having withdrawal symptoms i may still be having cravings i may still be unsteady on my feet i may still be cognitively impaired i may not be ready to go back to work or assume my responsibilities
3: and And you shouldn't be driving and
1: you shouldn't be driving and there are all of these things that sometimes come too late in terms of realization when recommendations are made for them to continue care or to go to another treatment program to continue with what real treatment is after detox often at that moment, when that referral is being made, the person does not appreciate how important that's going to be to be enrolled in a program and have the next warm handoff uh, that they are now engaged in ongoing support and recovery process.
3: When um, a lot of times I'll I'll have a loved one call, they'll talk to me about you know the situation with their with their patient, um, identified patient, and they'll be trying to figure out when to get them in, say to detox. And I try to help them count backwards from the time that we can make an appointment at the Atlanta healing center to see you so that it's seamless. Getting out of detox means the day that you get out, you come directly to an appointment with your provider, your treatment provider. Right. So they can manage your medicine, your um, all the different things that we were just talking about, but you need a doctor's order for many of that, much of that.
2: So hopefully when you're leaving de- detox, you're going directly to um, either inpatient treatment or outpatient treatment, but someplace where they're going to be able to continue to medically monitor the, the process.
1: And make sure that the symptoms of withdrawal are abated, um, that a lot of the physical needs that may have been identified while you're in detox are able to be addressed, and that you are able to now really begin your recovery process.
3: And I think right here would be a good time for you to tell us about the various drugs and about the need or necess- necessity for detox. Because truthfully, I think that people oftentimes have it all completely backwards.
1: And that is very true, Michael. One of the things that most people, and honestly, many healthcare professionals, don't understand is that while I wouldn't wish heroin withdrawal on anyone because it is very miserable, it's uncomfortable, you're not going to die from that. You might wish you could because you feel bad, but you're not going to die. Your life is not in jeopardy. Stopping alcohol, stopping benzodiazepines or barbiturates, which are pretty rare these days but are sometimes found in headache medication like furinol. Um, they ha- there That's are- the
3: barbiturate.
1: That's the barbiturate. These are physically dangerous in withdrawal. These are the ones that we spend <laughs> sleepless nights worrying about patients who are out there not being medically managed. Right. This is so serious. And many times patients will say, well, I can do this at home. I can stop drinking. I'm just going to stop.
2: Well, and real often they will say, I stopped two days ago and I
3: feel fine. Right. Which is the magic word.
1: (laughs) Yes. They feel fine.
3: In two days because it's...
1: Right, because they actually feel better. Some of the toxin is out of their system. They've rehydrated themselves. They've probably had something to eat and they do feel a little bit better. But when they walk in our doors... Two days after they stop drinking. What we see is that often their blood pressure is very high. Their body temperature is high. Their heart rate is high. They've got a little bit of a tremor, which they may not even be able to see. But when we evaluate them, we can feel it. Mm -hmm. They're often sweating. They may have a headache nausea, vomiting, creepy crawly feelings on their skin, sensitivity to light and sound. These are the symptoms that say, okay, you are headed for a sympathetic nervous system explosion. And by day three through seven, this is the really critical period of time for stopping alcohol or benzodiazepines or barbiturates because this is the time when you are really at risk for seizure. Mm -hmm. And then if this continues without medical intervention, and very rarely, but even with medical intervention, people develop delirium tremens, or the DTs, Mm -hmm. and you can actually die from that. So... We are very well aware of a recent death, fortunately not one of our patients, but unfortunately um, a person that we're acquainted with who decided they were going to stop drinking. They ended, and this was a young person in their late 20s, early 30s, decided to stop drinking, going to just stay at home. They were found in a coma, taken to the ICU, and later died. So when we say... You need medical evaluation and help to stop drinking. We are really serious about that. And it doesn't mean everybody needs detox. doesn't mean everybody needs to be inpatient. But with those three drugs, it does very much mean that you need to have someone who understands what withdrawal looks like and who can help you get through it safely.
3: Right. Now, is there a... Scale or a um, some form or guide that, that mm-hmm. a medical provider would would use?
1: Yes, it's called a CWA. and it is um, capital C I W A and this is a clinical scale that allows us to rate how severe a person's withdrawal symptoms are. And this is standardized. We use them at the hospital. We use them as an outpatient. Uh, we often send home a copy or two of this for the patient and their family if we're doing an ambulatory detox so that we're able to guide them about when, okay, this is uncomfortable. This is when you need to take some medicine. This is when it's getting more serious. You need to call us. This is when you need to head to the nearest emergency room. Or this is when you need to be dialing nine. One right. and we spell that out very clearly. In addition to giving them information about when and how to take medication, so that is if someone is medically stable, they're only using alcohol or only using a long-acting benzodiazepine. There are lots of,
2: and they have another person that's there with them Thank to you. make sure they're safe. Um, because if they're having a seizure, they certainly can help themselves. But seizures is just one of the possible possible medical complications of detox that could be
3: fatal. And and not right. to muddy the waters, but when we were talking about the opioid, um, it it was always very surprising, or it is always very surprising when you get someone that is their main drug is is opiates, heroin, but they're also taking Xanax,
1: right. And then we've got a real problem. We're going to take a break. Now when we come back, we're going to talk about what that real problem is. Please stay tuned.
4: The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com.
0: This is Ron Camacho, host of the Business Hour, on Fridays from 10 to 11 a.m. Join me as I talk with passionate professionals on a program that profiles the best businesses, business practices, and fascinating business professionals to get an insider view of how America works. The Business Hour from 10 to 11 a.m. on America's Web Radio.
5: Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol.
1: Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Wanted to let all of our listeners know that we are being uh, broadcast live on Facebook Live. If you're interested in seeing um, what we look like, and also if you're interested in sending in some comments or questions, we'll do our best to try and address those, if not in this particular Segment uh, at some future time. So you go to the Facebook page for uh, America's Web Radio, and that's where you would see our Facebook Live as we are broadcasting. Right before the break, we were talking about the um, detox that is needed for alcohol, benzodiazepines, and barbiturates. So this is going to be one of those detoxes that I'm going to draw a really firm line for many people because many folks unfortunately have had previous seizures. They may be using multiple medications. They may have medical complications such as liver problems related to their alcohol use. They may have other Blood kinds of... issues. Right, that are not stable and it is not safe. And they need the 24-hour care. And as well-meaning as their family may be, and um, we don't want a family member having to deal with someone having a seizure. No. So we are really cautious about that. Not to say that we don't do it, because occasionally we do for a young, healthy adult using a single substance. That we have verified, by the way. Uh, with our urine drug testing uh, to make sure that we're not complicating um, or or setting up that person to have a dangerous withdrawal. Mm -hmm. Right before uh, the break, Michael, you mentioned uh, one of the very complicated (laughs) patients, which is someone who's on an opioid. And remember I said coming off heroin, while very uncomfortable, And sometimes there are also reasons that that person may need to go inpatient and detox. Mm -hmm. One of those reasons would be if they were also drinking a lot or taking a benzodiazepine, like Xanax or Ativan or Clonopin. these medications need to be tapered. Those need very significant medical management, as does coming off the opioids. And you need to have a place that understands that and knows how to deal with multiple substances, certainly with the sedative hypnotics and the opioids. So that's uh, one that we would also very likely refer for a higher level of care for detox.
2: But And part of why that's so crucial is if because you're a person who is going to go someplace where you can use your insurance and the place is driven by an insurance model of treatment, if you just tell them heroin, they're going to refer you to an outpatient counselor or to an outpatient group and they're going to tell you you're going to feel really miserable for three days, but you'll be fine. Um, and they won't be able to justify the inpatient admission unless you include the alcohol and the benzos and the things that make it more um, risky.
1: Right, and that's really very important. The other thing that would distinguish whether or not we would handle it as an ambulatory detox would be how significant are any co-occurring psychiatric disorders. So if the person is acutely suicidal, and sometimes people have reached the end of their rope, the consequences have mounted, bad things have happened, they're not calling us and saying, my life's going so well, Michael Daly, I'd like to just come in and go to rehab. Usually there's been something significant that has occurred, and because of that, they're really at risk for not only contemplating, suicide but actually making a suicide attempt. So that's one of the things that we would screen for, and if that person, regardless of the substance they were using, is acutely suicidal or homicidal, mm-hmm. thats of harming someone else, those folks we would refer to a higher level of care because of the instability of the psychiatric disorder.
3: Well, and there's a, there's a means for you to take care of that when a person has that diagnosis and does not want to go into to treatment.
1: Right. And this is one of the few times that if I saw someone, they were suicidal or they were talking about specifically hurting someone else and they didn't want to go to treatment, I have the ability to place them on a 1013, which is an involuntary commitment and they would be hospitalized and in a psychiatric facility that would be locked for at least 72 hours while they were stabilized we don't use that very often pretty rare in fact but it is possible sometimes families will say well my loved one doesn't want to get treated for their alcoholism or for their heroin addiction can you force them into treatment the answer is no. Probably not. There is also a 2013 in the state of Georgia. Each state has their own number system mm-hmm. for um, for this kind of uh, procedure. In Florida, for example, it's called the Baker Act. So you might be Baker acted uh, into treatment. But here in Georgia, we have a 2013, which can force somebody in treatment involuntarily for substance use disorders. But the caveat for that is not just you've got it really bad and you don't want treatment and your family's upset. No, you have to have a life-threatening illness, such as you're in DTs or you just had a seizure or you're in liver failure and you're going to die right now, not theoretically sometime in the future, but you're going to die right now unless you get... Treatment for your addiction. I've never actually had one of those be successful, but um, in theory, that is possible. The other situation is if someone is psychotic, where they're hearing voices, they're seeing things, they're paranoid, they're believing things that aren't true, and because of that, they have a level of confusion or a very negative reaction to treatment, to being compliant, to showing up, to taking their meds, uh, that person would not be a candidate for an ambulatory detox. It's just not safe, and they need to be in a situation where medication can be given to them, and they can... um be monitored very closely.
2: So that person, we're most likely to see if they've been using SPICE, if they've been using some of the more high-potent THC, um, if they've been on crystal meth, um, things that really disrupt their sleep cycle and also their brain's ability to... to. Um, be clear with what's going on in the world.
1: Right. Or they may have a bipolar disorder that is unregulated because of their drug use and they may be having a psychotic break because of that. Or they may have schizophrenia. And so these would be um, relative contraindications for someone to be detox as an outpatient again because safety first always safety first and we have to think about that even though sometimes it's not what the person wants or their family wants that is that is a situation that we have to be really very careful about also if someone is acutely demented they would not be a candidate uh, for outpatient detox I think I've got Pretty yeah, much, I think all.
2: that you've gotten it. Yeah, I was, I was thinking though, in terms of that confusion people have between detox and treatment. Right. Um, part of what happens at most detox centers is that, real often, they are connected to a psych center unit, um, so they will see a counselor while they're there. They will probably attend some meetings. groups they might have members from the local aa community yeah. come in and do a 12-step meeting so they are having kind of the experience of treatment um even though it's not actually treatment actually what's happening is that they're being, being monitored closely kept busy. they're having okay. their vital signs checked they're um they're being medically monitored but they're also being entertained um And they are not having treatment. Their brain actually doesn't even have the capacity to absorb what's happening in these situations um, while they're going through this. So even though it seems like treatment, it is still just detox.
1: Correct. So we do do ambulatory detoxes. And again, for some uncomplicated alcohol um, as the dopamine releaser of choice, some very um, uncomplicated benzodiazepines, Uh, But probably our most frequent uh, medication substance that we would do an ambulatory detox would be for an opioid. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we get referred patients from pain practices where they don't really have addiction, but uh, they have been taking their uh, pain medicine. Now their pain problem has resolved, but when they try and stop their medicines, they go into withdrawal. So sometimes we are doing a medication taper. We do not call that a detox because detox is associated with the diagnosis of a Addiction, We call that a medication taper. So that we do probably over a 12 to 16 week pre- period of time very, very slowly with the idea that they're going to come off of the medication and hopefully live a pain free, happy life right. after that. Many of our patients have been using pain medicines. Sometimes they have a pain problem, uh, but many times they're using it to treat things other than their pain issue.
3: Like emotional.
1: Like emotional pain uh, for recreational uses, uh, like heroin or um, some of the very potent opioids Mm -hmm. and this is a candidate who would be ideal for an ambulatory detox. Again, if they have a responsible family member that can drive them back and forth to our clinic for a few days that can help monitor their medication and can help report back to us if in the off hours there's any kind of difficulty or problem. Mm-hmm. The patient needs to be willing to come in every day for at least Three to five days, and to be actively participating in their detox. This, again, is an ideal candidate for which we could use medication assisted recovery, which we will talk about when we come back after these messages. Thanks for listening.
5: Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the doctor's lounge and hear the doctor's conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m.
4: The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? and the trained staff at EHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com.
0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Or you're checking us out on YouTube, or you're checking us out wherever you source your podcasts, or you may be on the America's Web Radio Facebook page and watching us on Facebook Live. Hopefully you've picked one of these options and that you'll continue to give us some feedback. If you have questions, if you have topics that you would like to suggest, We may not be able to answer them live during the show, but we will certainly consider and try and um, have them as a future topic. So feel free to source us any way you can. We're happy to have you as listeners. Right before our break, we talked about medication-assisted detox which we often use buprenorphine products or naltrexone or other substances to help the person come off of the medication. That's only one way that we might do that. Sometimes we do medication-assisted recovery. And this is where we begin to talk about treatment, not just getting the person off of the opiates or off of marijuana or off of alcohol, benzos, any of the other substances, but we're going to actually begin treatment.
3: Can I mention something here? Yes. I talk to so many people that have gone to a detox center where it's a a five-day detox for opiates. What they what they use at the at the center is Suboxone generally, and they're given, I think, their last dose of about two milligrams. Mm-hmm. They're told that then they leave on you know, day with five nothing. with nothing else and they're expecting to be happy, joyous, and free. Correct. But that's not what happens.
1: Right. They're happy, joyous, and free for about two and a half days.
3: Exactly.
2: Or so.
1: Or so. Sometimes less than that. Uh, But what happens is, to your point, Michael, is in our philosophy, the addiction treatment according to the Atlanta Healing Center, when you're at two milligrams, you're only halfway done. And so very often we will see the person you mentioned discharged. They took their last dose of two milligrams that morning. And they go home and think, I've got a new life. This is wonderful. And then they show up in acute opiate withdrawal. And often we have to have a discussion about what to do next And Mm -hmm. part of that may be to put them back on the Suboxone, either continue a gradual taper. Mm -hmm. At two milligrams, it will take at least six weeks. After that, to gradually taper it down so that they are comfortable in that process and able to manage their life, sometimes longer than
3: that. Right, because sometimes they want to come down. They say, oh, as quickly as possible, so you you try to do a six- or eight-week taper. Well, you get to the second step down, Right. and then all of a sudden they're going, wait, back up, back up. Right. I... I think I'm going a little too fast and you're we, we try to help them understand that yes, you probably are. You probably so let's are. back up. Right.
2: I actually had read um um a physician in Florida whose practice really is about suboxone tapering, and he's the same philosophy. When you're at two, you're only halfway there. But another piece that I've I've really come to believe is incredibly true is that if they're smokers, he gets them off of nicotine before That's he'll right. even think about trying to get them off of the suboxone because what he says is they just can't do it. The pain is so much worse
3: if they try to keep smoking while they're quitting suboxone. It's, it's amazing that that combination has been identified and now that you've identified it and talked about it we've seen that exact thing show up Mm -hmm.
1: so sometimes people want to come off and we go gradually we like to help them set goals but we also want them to be realistic and how and understand that we will move at their pace because sometimes real life intervenes.
3: Absolutely. During
1: this time though, they are beginning treatment. They we don't just do detox. We don't recommend that you go inpatient just for detox. We don't do detox. Sometimes we do medication taper for the chronic pain patient without addiction, but we don't just do detox because that is not treatment. Detox is not treatment.
3: Absolutely.
1: What we need to begin to do is all of the medical, metabolic, cognitive, psychosocial assessments to understand what these individual needs are and how can we best help the whole person and their family. Whatever and however they define their family. So it begins the process. They will have assessments. They may meet with David or with Paula. They'll have a brain map. They'll do neurocognitive testing. They'll do more blood work. Yes, they may have done some blood work while they were inpatient, but it's not nearly the amount and the type of blood work that we want to do, but
3: we don't replicate it necessarily. No, no So, no. I mean, it's not like they're—they've just wasted. They're paying a, twice. Yeah,
1: right. Um, and and we began to introduce them to recovery principles. They begin to go to groups. They begin to have education sessions. Um, family programming is very important. Individual sessions with their addiction counselor very very important mm-hmm. times to meet with me to discuss their psychiatric and their medical and their hormonal and other kinds of issues so this is where we began treatment and we began to talk to them about their recovery plan ongoing and help them introduce to concepts like 12 step programs right
3: or, or smart other recovery or any other type of a program that they can join and it's ongoing to help them make it but in the
2: term. in the treatment groups themselves it's not that they're just replicating AA meetings with feedback. No, um, AA meetings are places where they go and share, and then they listen, and they don't give each other feedback. And so people think, well, a therapy group is like an AA meeting with feedback, but no, it's <laughs> no. <laughs> it's so much more than that. It's looking at your barriers to the recovery process. It's looking at motivation enhancement. It's looking at um, the the issues from the past that that continually. Um, trip up your process so it's much more of digging into it's
5: mm-hmm.
2: being willing to experience vulnerability with a group of people and have the support to deal with it that you and you do get some of that with AA sure um, But but it's It creates, actually, artificial relationships because you're learning so much about people really quickly, and you're learning how to experience feelings in a supportive, caring way that are are supportive and not violating. Um, So hopefully you can take that into your real life. But it's so much more than just AA meetings with feedback.
1: Right. (laughs) Um, and the idea that you're actually building skills, that you're learning what are some of the triggers that make me want to use, that make me crave, and what are the ways in which I can intervene and intervene more quickly, recognizing things sooner and getting out of trouble faster. Mm-hmm. That's part of the goals of what we need to do.
3: It's always really interesting. I just have to interject here real quick. Um I'll get, I'll get a lot of people that when they sign up, they're like, oh, my God, eight weeks of group, three times a week for group. And then the fourth with the family. Oh, there's so much group. I don't know if I can do it. I hate groups, blah, blah, blah. And then about week six, <laughs> right. that person that hated groups and that was anti this and anti that comes to me and says, um, do you think that we can come up with a package of more time and I'd like to include some groups in the.
1: <laughs> it is always very interesting, and the psychology of getting people engaged in treatment is very interesting. But there is something magical that usually happens for most people around six to seven weeks uh-huh. when their brain is really cleared. A lot of things have rebooted, and they begin to really value not only their um recovery in their life as it is, but their family and things that were important to them in the past. And it's at that point that we can really see them begin to move forward and begin to make some really good strides. And they need to continue. Mm-hmm. They need to continue with support. They need to continue with therapy. They need to continue with a lot of things. And one of the things may be medication-assisted recovery. Right. So we've talked about detox, but sometimes we have patients that have been through detox, that have been through multiple treatment episodes. And of inpatient. Of inpatient or even outpatient. And we realize that, in order for this person to be successful, then we need to do the David Donaldson method of keeping them on the Suboxone, the buprenorphine product, for at least 13 months. And at that time, then we reevaluate and see if their life is stable and that this is a good time for them to begin tapering down or do we need to wait a little bit longer? Because truly... Uh, heroin fentanyl has changed the scene and has changed the way we view what we need to do to help people stay sober and stay safe and not die.
3: It's it's the truth. Um, just one thing, real quick. When when we say thirteen months, that's not thirteen months of continuous treatment. I mean, it's thirteen months of medicated assisted recovery. But the treatment by by that time has has tapered kind of down. tapered down. Right. Um, so it's not is not as if we've kept you in, <laughs>
5: <Right>. <laughs>
1: lack
3: of, lack in purgatory. In, for, yeah, for for thirteen months. <laughs>
1: no, as the person, and it is individual. It is an individual depending on the level of progress, the the complications that are in their life, and the individual things that they may need. They may need more neurofeedback to help with a head injury. They may need more individual um, counseling to help them with skill building. They Mm -hmm. may need family therapy. They may need more medication and hormone management. It's not one size fits all, and that's the other important thing to understand about treatment is... Truly, it needs to be individualized. It's not just a program that you show up and you check check off the boxes and you get your certificate of attendance. (laughs) This is really what do you need to be safe, sane, and sober, happy, joyous, and free. And we're going to take a break now. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the differences between treatment and 12-step recovery.
5: Live closer to your food source. Learn how to grow it yourself. Please join me every Saturday morning at 10 Eastern on America's Homegrown Veggie Show for tips and advice from the country's best gardeners. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol.
1: Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank. This is America's Web Radio. And with me today are Michael Daly and David Donaldson from the Atlanta Healing Center. We have um, made you aware of our new um, social media presence, and we're very grateful to America's Web Radio for providing a variety of options for you to be able to ac- access our broadcast as well as other uh, important podcasts that um other providers on this network, um, do every week. So you can go to America's Web Radio Facebook page and see Facebook Live, wherever you source your, iP- um, your podcasts, I said, wanted to say a particular place, but I'm going to say podcasts, uh, you should be able to find Detailing Addiction with Dr. Susan Blank, and certainly if you um, want to watch live from America's Web Radio's webpage, you can do that, or you can um, just Go. follow us on our, our website. Mm -hmm. with our blogs that announce what our topics are and uh, then you can go back to the archives if there's something that's interesting to you. So, with all of that being said, um, we were talking about medication-assisted recovery. And one of the important things is that it is individualized. And sometimes people do stay on a variety of medications. Mm-hmm. So, we have three different types of medications that are approved for opioids. We have seven that are approved for um, nicotine addiction. We have three that are approved for... Alcohol, and then some others that are used off um, off label. Mm-hmm. So we have lots of options, including also treatment for psychiatric disorders, depression, anxiety, and so forth. So this is going to be going on while we are assessing you, while we are supporting you in active treatment. As you begin to progress and develop your coping skills we want you to become engaged in a support network in the community. And this is something that is often talked about in individual, in group. um, Other places we will have this discussion because as you decrease your attendance at programming at Atlanta Healing Center, we want those hours and times filled with Meetings Your community recovery support. support. So the other important thing we need to say is just like detox is not treatment, 12-step programs or other self-help groups, very important to maintaining recovery, but they are also not treatment.
3: Right.
2: Absolutely. And, and they are crucial. Yes, um, for a lot of reasons for your ongoing recovery process. You know, as we were talking about the treatment experience, you're digging in and you're learning about relapse prevention and motivation mm-hmm. enhancement, and all of those different things. Um, but but the community support recovery is giving you the opportunity to <clears throat> develop new supportive caring relationships to um, to really rebuild your your to break the isolation that addiction creates, right. which is, mm-hmm. is so crucial. Whether it's an AA or NA or CA or smart recovery um, or or refuge recovery, mm-hmm. it's it's getting you out of the out of the isolation that addiction created and it's helping you start to build sober, clean, fun
3: relationships.
1: And the fun is really important.
3: Absolutely, because <laughs> I always tell people, look, you know, You wouldn't see people with multiple years if they aren't having fun. Right. Because we just don't do that. I mean, we're addicts and alcoholics, and we're used to having, air quotes, fun. Right. So you have to have fun and sobriety.
1: And it's nice to know that um, not only is this an important part of your recovery, but it's free. Mm Mm-hmm. It is available, and here in Atlanta and in other large cities around the country and around the world, it is available 24-7. Because yes. we now have online groups that people can attend. Uh, we have uh, meetings. The important thing is not just the meeting, though. The important thing is working the steps Absolutely. and working with a sponsor. So, however, that work gets defined by whichever mutual support group you're using. It is very, that is the important piece. That is where the change really takes place in terms of how you view yourself, your relationships, and your world. And this is where you really begin to understand the skills that you need and developing that capacity for rigorous honesty with yourself and often with the people around you. This takes time, it's part of a process, and it's a wonderful way in which people can really fill out their life and have
3: true sobriety. Correct. Not just being dry or or uh, you know, drug-free. There's a whole. There's a really big difference. Part of what what strikes
2: me is that most adults in our society drink. Um, there's there's a large number of people in our society that have a drink every day, and they're not alcoholics. Right. And so, for the people who are alcoholics who are getting out of treatment and learning how to live in our society. The the addictive center of the brain is sitting there thinking, how can I drink normally? How can I be like the rest of these people? (laughs) I'm sure I just had some stress, and that was the only problem, but now I can go hang out with my friends, and I'll be fine. And we know this is a genetic disease, and you won't be fine if you start having one drink, you're going to go back to your pattern. But if everyone around you is able to have one or two drinks without problems, you're going to start feeling really angry and isolated. Isolated. and resentful. In the middle of a a crowd. Especially at the 4th of July (laughs) when everyone else is having probably more more than one drink. Um, And so developing at AA and at Smart Recovery and these various fellowships, people that you can hang out with where you don't have to worry about are they going to drink in front of me and do they care are they supportive um, and you can just relax and learn how to be yourself
1: well, and they and they accept you there's no judgment uh, these are people you don't have to explain they get it mm-hmm. they're welcoming and all they want to do is help you stay sober and that's a beautiful thing
3: when you first walk in that program because I've done it um You're kind of thrown back by all these people coming up to you and offering their telephone number, their help, their meeting schedules, and you're overwhelmed. A ride to a meeting. Yeah, but you learn quickly that these folks are the same ones you'd be hanging out with. At the bar. At the bar. (laughs) Right. They're just not drinking anymore, or they're just not using anymore. So... That preconceived idea of, you know, this is a group of, you know, um, little do-gooders or whatever it is, it's not true.
1: Right. And, And they have also learned to have as much fun. Right. So just like we say, detox isn't recovery. It is a crucial step for most people. 12 step fellowships or other recovery networks are not treatment but mm. they are critical. Yes. The other piece of treatment is that this is a chronic illness. And because of that one episode of treatment while we hope and pray that's all you'll need is often not all you need. And so staying in touch with your addiction treatment providers Mm -hmm. to help you get through stressful times. Maybe you have to have some surgery. Maybe you've had an injury or an illness. Maybe you've had a slip. You are able to come back and be welcomed, figure out what went wrong, make some adjustments to the treatment plan, and help you get on with your life. So that part of treatment, just like... If you've got diabetes, there may be some really intensive work that's done in the beginning to help you get your blood sugar normalized, figure out how to integrate lifestyle, exercise, diet, medication, follow up with the doctor. After that, you may only have to follow up a couple of times a year. So you you need to be realistic in... Accepting this is a chronic illness, and just like you need checkups for your diabetes or your hypertension, you need checkups to make sure that you're still on track with your addiction recovery and your treatment plan. Right. And that is... Um, that is why this is an ongoing, why we don't have graduations Mm. or certificates of attendance at the Atlanta Healing Center, because you don't graduate from diabetes and you don't graduate from hypertension or asthma or COPD, but you do become more and more successful at managing it, recognizing when you're having trouble early, and seeking and asking help.
3: Well, and one thing real, that's, that I see often is when a person has not had a slip yet, they've they've maybe gone down the slope a little ways, and they catch themselves, and they make an appointment to see you or to see David, and they kind of come in for a little uh, recovery reboot. Um, that's mm-hmm. really, really helpful for folks. It, it scares the family a lot. Right. But that's where it's really important that the family learn about the disease of addiction (laughs) and understand that that doesn't mean they're going to relapse. That means they're stopping a relapse from occurring. So it's it's a really good thing that... They feel well, confident. The other to talk thing about it. is that
2: no matter how good your recovery is, at some point in time, you're going to deal with pain, whether Absolutely. it's physical pain from an accident or an illness or something, or emotional pain from a loss. And if you don't deal with that pain appropriately, you're probably going to medicate it in some self-medication sort of way that's not healthy. And so being able to come back and find out, talk about what's going on and get appropriate referrals or at least support in dealing with it will help ensure that you're you're taking care of yourself in the long run.
1: And the family program is free for as long as it is beneficial to somebody because families need support too. Absolutely. So we wish you all a happy 4th of July, and we look forward to seeing you next week on Detailing Addiction.
0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.